Welcome to Wholeness and Holiness Podcast. Here we will deepen your understanding of human and spiritual integration so you can live the life of peace and fulfillment God has for you. I'm your host, Margaret Vasquez. I hold a degree in theology and am a licensed professional clinical counselor and certified trauma therapist. Join me weekly for practical applications of the spiritual life. No part of this audio is to be used as mental health treatment or clinical advice. Please see a licensed mental health professional for personal consultation. Hi, and welcome to Wholeness and Holiness Podcast. I'm your host, Margaret Vasquez, joined by Father David Tickerhoof, my co-host, and we're continuing um, in a series of podcasts on human and spiritual integration, particularly talking about um, connection, which we see as communion with the Lord, personal integration, and charity towards others. And in episode number four, we talked particularly about communion with the Lord, and in episode number five, we talked a good bit about personal integration, and we talked a little bit also about boundaries with others, but now we're really going to talk about charity towards others and how do we relate to others in a way where we can communicate to them that they're chosen, known, and valued, and the concept of openness. How does that fit into relationships with others? So, um, Father David, welcome. Thank you, Margaret. Again, it's a joy to be with you to discuss these areas that are all important, based upon our relationships, human and spiritual integration, and all the principles that lead us into good relationships. And tonight, today, we're talking about charity towards others. So when I think of charity towards others, and we've been referring in the last two presentations of the, the relationship notion of connection, we're really talking about uh, the gift of uh, mercy. And the culture of connection becomes, for us, the culture of compassion. And if you can think of anything else in, in society that's needed more than compassion, I challenge you to it because we are really deficient in this notion of reaching out to others and the and compassion and mercy, forgiveness, and then leading to healthy and good uh, sense of uh, what it means to relate to others in mercy. So I think this is excellent. So we can uh, get started on that. It'll be a one wonderful thing. So just to go back and tie these three things together by that very concept of compassion. So again, it's receiving the compassion of the Lord. And what helps us to really receive that instead of deflect that is a stance of compassion towards ourself, right? If I'm, if, if the Lord's, which he is extending his, himself to me in compassion, not just his compassion, but himself to me. Um, so completely, if I, if I'm thinking, oh, that's not really for me, that's for other people, or he couldn't possibly love me if he only knew the things I had done, or or this or that, then um, it's like, you know, I always say it's like pouring Niagara Falls into a colander. It's just going to drain through, and the colander is going to be empty at the end of the day. And so it's what's required for me to really receive that is to shift my own mindset from one of beating myself up, putting myself down 
to one of self-compassion. And I think that's something we don't hear a lot about, or we can think that it must imply some sort of selfishness or, um, or even like it was said to me once in a, um, I was in a, in a situation where I was talking about this at a retreat, actually giving a talk on, on connection to ourselves and the, how essential self-compassion is. And someone said, isn't that narcissism? And, and I said, it's imitation of Christ <laughs> because he's compassionate towards us. It's a far cry from narcissism. We won't even get in, <clears throat> into that, but narcissism doesn't have that authentic compassion. Um, authentic self-compassion would be, I can see my myself like warts and all and still have the Lord's stance towards me, you know? So then from that, from that place of self-compassion, now our mode really becomes compassion, right? We're receiving it from the Lord. We're experiencing it or practicing it <laughs> towards ourselves. And then of course that's going to flow out towards my neighbor. And um, I think some of these things are things that maybe um, a little more natural for some people to practice, but I've given talks and teachings before as well and had people ask me, how do you, practice or how do you communicate to another person that they're chosen or how do you communicate with empathy? You know, these different things that to me, I guess being a therapist or kind of naturally being more of a, of a feeler or naturally more empathic, these things are easier for me. But I guess for some people, they are things that, that need to be taught, but the good news is that they can be, you know, this isn't, this isn't really rocket science. And fortunately, we experience these things on a daily basis because we're surrounded by people. <laughs> so I just think of a real simple example, communicating to another person that they're chosen by me in a situation. That doesn't have to mean that, that you marry somebody. It doesn't have to mean that you choose to spend every waking moment with them. It can even be these really brief, um, experiences that we have with other people. I often have seen this now here. I'm going to brag on the South because I'm from Georgia, but we, we saw these things. These things are practiced really regularly growing up. Just you'd go in a grocery store and you'd end up chatting with the cashier and they, hi, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing well. How are you? Know? Oh, it's sure is hot outside. Or yeah, did you know, have you ever tried this before? You know, whatever the product was that we're scanning and and, and we can have those experiences when they're very humanizing, you know, when, we, when we have transactions at a cash register or when we go in a restaurant and the wait staff is like throwing the coasters on the table and saying, hi, how's everybody doing today? And they're not even really making eye contact with us, you know, and because they're having a, a hard day and they're tired of being on their feet and who knows how many orders are delayed and people are frustrated with them, but when we take the time to stop and look up from the menu and say, Oh, we're doing well. How are you doing? And you can see the look go across somebody's face almost like, Oh, you're, you're going to treat me like a person. <laughs> you know, I'm not just a means to the end, the end of you getting your food. And, um, so I think that's a really beautiful thing. It's a really beautiful way. These ways that, um, I think they're like really evangelistic in a, in a, in a way where we, we don't have to be, um, 
we don't always have to be asking uh, very, you know, theological things, you know, have you, have you accepted the Lord, <laughs> you know, right? And those things are, those things are great. And, and it might lead there, but it's going to be a far better witness if we get to that point when the person sees how we've loved them, you know, just by treating them like a human being. Yeah, I think when we talk about uh, human and spiritual integration, you're in the same ballpark again. We we really, if we over-spiritualize things, it's going to have a, a weak foundation. I thought of that one incident that you talked about a number of times and uh, times that I've heard you speak. It was about the, the you were working in a counseling situation in a group when you were kind of like a troubleshooter. And in one class, uh, when uh, something didn't go well in the class with one of the students that send you down to go in and work it out, and this one time that you were called into a situation where a rather large young lady was being very belligerent and uh, negative, and the teacher was yelling and screaming at her to sit down and sit down, and she wouldn't sit down, and it was becoming a major crisis. And so you walked into the middle of that situation. And then you mentioned, and if you would, you prefer to talk about that. I think you'd do a better job talking about it. Why don't you tell the story? Well, yeah, she this this student in fourth grade was as big as me, and I'm five nine, so I'm I'm not tiny, and she wasn't either. And so, if I had had to make her sit down, which you you're not allowed to anyway, you can't put your hands on the students. But if I had tried to. I probably wouldn't have been able to. She probably could have. She probably could have knocked me out. And she wasn't even one of the students I was working with. And um, and so you know you have like two and a half seconds to kind of assess the situation, what's going on here. And I realized the teacher wanted her to sit down or go to the office, and she wasn't going to do either. And um. I didn't have a magic wand. I didn't, you know, no clue what I was supposed to do. In those two and a half seconds, I thought the only solid ground I have here is that she's a person with dignity and I have to treat her that way, you know. But it had to start really honestly from a place of of having compassion for myself because if I had gotten into a place in my head of some sort of performance anxiety, like, oh, everybody thinks I'm supposed to be some, you know, really effective trauma therapist and really effective troubleshooter. And if I can't make this work out, then, you know, somehow my ego is going to, is on the line here. Then, um, I would have been basing my value on my effectiveness and my productivity and that sort of thing. Right. And I would have been too tied up in that to, to get to a, a place of compassion for her. And so when you came in, you didn't know what to do, and she's standing there and uh, uh, with some apprehension about receiving a good punch that would put you on the floor. If you tried to do anything, you said to her, if you recall the story, and uh, you said to her, you know, you, you actually touched into her sense of, uh, her, her sense of being valued. And you said to her, you said, you know, I don't know what the situation is here. I just walked in and I don't know you, but I know for sure that, that you're really a, a good person because I see you in the halls and then on the stairwells and things and you always wave and smile at me. And that broke the ice and that just broke her to where she just started to cry and, and everything else. And then 
with the, the wisdom of a good counselor, you said to her, do you know, would you like to come down to the office and we'd, let's sit and talk about what's what's happening here and what's going on in you? And she was meek as a lamb going out with you and going down to talk. Why? Because you valued her. She She understood that you really, in a sense, valued her as a person. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's amazing because I've had a number of situations like that where I think the Lord, they, they turned out that way. And when I kind of looked back and reverse engineered them and thought, okay, there was an awful lot of divine inspiration going on in that situation, but what are the principles that under, undergird it? And that's where I've, how I came to these principles of connection, you know, and I think the beautiful thing about that is then because I don't get divine inspiration that I'm aware of on a regular basis, you know, I don't get a telegram from the Lord every day. And so if we can know what those principles are, then with some intention and in collaboration with the Lord, <laughs> then we can do those things intentionally to relate to others in that way. And um, so I think, yeah, hopefully she, she experienced that she was valued as a person, not valued. Like you'll be valuable if you cooperate with me in this situation. Um, I also like to look at it. Like, I think she felt known, like really as truly like seen and heard as an individual who is very good. Right. By saying um, that, that I've seen her on the stairs a number of times and she always, always smile and wave at me. And, and I was respecting her boundaries. You know, I wasn't, I, I didn't even tell her to sit down, <laughs> right? I didn't even tell her to sit down. She was making a boundary that she didn't want to sit down, apparently, not one that was acceptable for the classroom, but I wasn't even trying to, to change that. And yet what happened by her, you know, her crying, right? I see it as like she just opened. And I've seen that same pattern happen so many times that there's just really been such a lesson to me of, we can't make an end run for the effect of openness. We want somebody else to be open with us. And so we just try to start tearing away at getting this person to open up. But openness is a byproduct of being related to in these other ways. And so when we know what those other ways are and we do that, we take the time to choose someone to personally engage with them, take that moment and that time and to communicate that they're known and that they're valued and respect their boundaries, then openness happens because we're made for connection. We're made for that. And we want that the same way we don't want trauma. We do want connection. So when all of the climate is right, we open right up because we want that. Yes. I think there's a spiritual principle behind that because uh, we have to have self-compassion. And that's a hard thing to do because we're so used to, from growing up, you know, of, of other people not considering us valuable or making mistakes or people bullying us or making fun of us when, in school or you weren't popular in school and you weren't in the in crowd, you were just something on the margins. Those kind of things you carry into your adult life. And so you don't deal with them. So, But when somebody touches that area and... uh where where you can have self compassion and recognize what no matter what happened, you know you you need to be able to relate to yourself in a positive way with compassion, that opens the door 
to the connection and to, to really, in a sense, uh, understanding what it means to have compassion to others. So it's a two-way street here. It's, one is that we have to really be honest and open about who we are as a person and see ourselves as a value chosen and and, and really loved and cared for. That's hard for us to do. Uh, most people don't really do that. They really don't do that. They don't have a real good attitude towards themselves. They might have been abused in their early life or neglected or set, or not favored in the classroom or something. And and they, they have that, they're carrying that. And when, when they can open their hearts and really see that it's okay to have those things, and yet at the same time, but to experience that, that self-compassion. And, and that has to come from, uh, the grace, the, the the compassion of the Lord. You know, Jesus in, in his broken heart and in his pierced heart was 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 receiving through his his suffering the compassion of the Father, and the Father's compassion comes through the heart of Jesus. When it touches us, it opens us to be on a very human and horizontal level, compassionate to others, no matter who they are, what background they are. And what they've done, or anything else, the key to leaving, leading people into a deeper freedom, is first we have self-compassion, and we receive the we receive the Lord's compassion, and so we can communicate that compassion in mercy to others. Yeah, that's it's it's so good. As you were talking, it was making me think about the isn't it Saint Teresa of Avila who says, you know, Christ has no body now but yours no hands no feet but yours i think there's a song based on that and i was thinking about that like well um how do we become the hands and the feet of the lord well it's by relating in this way because that's how the lord relates to us you know i think that's really how we how we put skin on it on his heart that he shares with us <laughs> then we become that that for others um it's just it's it's so essential and it really starts in changing our attitudes towards ourself. Um, and the authority for that is because that's how the Lord relates to us, you know, so really internalizing that and then letting it, it change how we see ourselves. And it's a process. I think that's essential to say in all of this, it's all a process, right? we receive a little bit more able to conceive a little bit more that God really sees me that way. And so then I relate to myself with a little bit more compassion and then I'm able to receive even a little bit more that that's really how God does. And so then it just continues to change up in how we relate to others. There've been a number of experiences I've had um, with people over the years where I've really just come to see as that as we relate to them with these principles, then that openness happens. But again, um, so many times we try to quick make an end run for openness without any, and why is this person not opening to me? Why aren't they listening to me? Why don't they, you know, know that I'm trying to do what's best for them or, or whatever? Well, are you relating to them in a way that communicates these things? And, um, and I think a lot of times if we're really honest, a lot of times we're act, acting more out of a control mode, but we really have to surrender that control and operate from compassion. Oh, we often look at it like control 
Um, well, fear leads to control, which often leads to conflict, which leads to disconnection. Whereas love or compassion leads to, um, to connection. Yeah. Well, um, charity, right. And then to connection, a place of connection. So it really starts, you know, it's really kind of the hinge point is do we really out of control or out of compassion, you know, which leads, which boils down to, do we really out of love or out of fear? So how do we, how do we relay out of love? Because we, we know that we're loved first, you know? And I I was uh, thinking of this whole notion of, uh, sharing back and forth. So we, we, in a sense, when we have that sense of self-compassion, we're able to share ourselves with others because we have the same attitude towards them. And then we operate in a positive fashion, you know, and, and we're not in a, to, in a confrontational thing or a, a put-down thing or even a reactionary because they've done something to us, you know. And then if we're able to respect others and respect the fact that uh, they belong and that they deserve gra- our our gratitude and they deserve our 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 compassion because their val- their their values to us they're really valued no matter what they've done or said then we are able to respectively receive the compassion that they may want to give back to us once we g- demonstrate to them existentially or really freedom and relating to them in a positive, merciful, compassionate manner. There was a beautiful story, um, and I think you've heard me share this before. Um, it was recently, it was on Facebook, but I looked it up, and it sounds like it's it's really a true situation that happened. I cannot pronounce the man's name, but um, he's he was a South African gentleman, and he had started the Satanic Church in South Africa. And he was giving an interview to um, a, a radio station, to a person from the radio. And at the end of the interview, the person knowing who this was, you know, the interviewer knowing who it was, still she went over and she gave him a hug and just said, thank you so much for taking the time. And she she hugged him and he was so struck by her doing that, by her her kindness towards him, despite who he clearly was, that his whole interview was about being the leader of the satanic church. He went and he looked her uh, and he felt, he just felt this like overflow of love, just so much love. And so he went and he looked her up and who, who was this person and why did she treat me that way? And he learned that she was a Christian. And so then however many days later he was performing some satanic ritual and the Lord appeared to him and, um, and he was like taunting the, he's like, yeah, sure. You're Jesus. Yeah. Whatever. If you're really Jesus, like make me know it. And he said he felt that same love he felt from that woman that he was like, the Lord just like showered it over him. And so I just think it's so beautiful that he knew that Jesus was who he was because he had experienced it from this woman first. I just think it's so fascinating because I think a lot of times we we look at it the other way around. Like we've experienced the love from the Lord. That's a much, you know, and so then, oh, this person loves me in this in that same kind of way. But it was actually, you know, kind of flipped around. I just think it's like how beautiful that 
others can spot Jesus because they've experienced his love from us first. Like that, that's just, I just think that we even get to participate in that as a huge privilege. And, uh, bringing this to this, t- this time to a conclusion and is look how these things are all tied in with one another. There's, you know, in a sense, if we, if we really value others and we value ourselves and we're known by the Lord and, and uh, we extend ourselves to others, these things are all connection, a connection to self, connection to the Lord and connection to others. It's just a, a beautiful foundation and basis for not just a, a, a meaningful spiritual life, but it's a, it's a, it's a foundation for the, the, the thing that Jesus came to demonstrate, the love of the Father for persons. And when we relate to other people as persons, then they relate to us as persons. And so you have, then you open the door to self-compassion because we accept our weaknesses and our strengths. And then, and we, then, when, then when we accept the Lord, because we're open, we have openness, we accept the Lord, then those two things together as, as, as a culture of mercy or as, a, as they come together ex- personally and practically and then we really relate to others as mercy. We really relate to others as mercy, and we can relate to them. And by gosh, what happens is they relate back to us in a similar fashion. You know, it's so true, and I I think it's something that um, really flies in the face of what we experience in the in the typical culture today. You know, the everybody overrunning each other's boundaries so much. That's just at least the stuff that the media is flooded with. And even posts on Facebook or ways people respond to each other on social media is so harsh sometimes. Um, And even just the relating um, that goes on by social media, instead of taking the time to relate really face to face where we really have that sense of being personally chosen and known. Um, And, and really like a lot of times our value is based on our productivity or performance or money or status or things. So I think that um, when we know that the human heart is made for this, then we see how contrary and what a contrary way society relates to each other, then like, wow, we can really enter into that really broken place that people are just really crying out for. And, um, and really we don't have to, maybe this is, maybe this is my ultimate goal that we wouldn't have to spend so much time treating trauma and patching up brokenness and woundedness if we spent as much time and energy on focusing on what what creates that that wholeness, right? If we focus on wholeness, we don't have to focus <laughs> focus so much on brokenness. We focus on this these principles of spiritual growth. We don't have to spend maybe so much time <laughs> trying to root out sinfulness and that sort of thing. And so we conclude by saying holiness is wholeness comes from the same word, that one word, teleos. Holiness is wholeness. And we see that in evidence in practical ways in our life and our relationships.
Thank you, Father David. It's been a pleasure. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. Um, If you're interested in our books, Father David's book, Evangelizing Catholic Culture, or my books, More Than Words, The Freedom to Thrive After Trauma, or Fearless, Abundant Life Through Infinite Love, all three of those are available on Amazon. And if you're looking for more information from us at Sacred Heart Healing Ministries, please visit us at sacredhearthealingministries.com. And thank you so much for joining us. May the Lord give you peace. Thank you for joining me for today's show. Please subscribe and share and check us out on wholenessandholiness.com. Follow and like us on social media. And to learn more about Sacred Heart Healing Ministries, please go to sacredhearthealingministries.com.